the world's finest surfers showed up today to do battle with what's turned out to be the biggest waves to hit this coast since 1946. Hello, everybody. I'm Stu Nahan. I'd like you to meet this young man. His name, Jeff Spicoli. And Jeff, congratulations to you. Things look kind of rough out there today. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle with some humongous waves. But, you know, just like I told the guy on ABC, <laughs> Danger is my business. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. When you get out there, do you ever fear for your life? Well, Sue, I'll tell you, surfing's not a sport. It's a way of life, no hobby. It's a way of looking at that wave and saying, Hey, bud, <laughs> let's party. <laughs> Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And hey, summer is almost officially here. So cowabunga, dude. How about we hit the beach and the waves with pro surfer Matt Miola. You got any pointers? About pipe? Yeah, you're not ready for it. I'm ready. Oh, yeah? Okay, brah. Reef starts just about here, and it stretches all the way down to there. Reef? There's a reef? That's right. So when the wave breaks here... Don't be there, or you're going to get drilled. All right, Talk is Jericho alumni and famous Superman Shep Gordon introduced me to Matt when I was at Shep's house on Maui, and uh, Matt schooled me in the art of surfing. He's got shark stories, near-death experiences, surfing the biggest waves in the world in Hawaii. you also hear how he came up with some of his famous tricks. Go online and check him out. Just look under Matt Miola, M-E-O-L-A. He's a badass on a surfboard. He defies gravity. He defies the law of, uh, of aquatic averages. Go check out some of those videos on YouTube. You will be amazed. He's sharing plenty of tips for anyone interested in giving surfing a try. And he's talking about the difference between what he does versus some of the pro surfers who go on the competition route. It's a great conversation. Calabunga, dude. Perfect for the kickoff of summer. Surf's up. And speaking of kicking off summer, Fozzie's celebrating the start of the summer season with a few shows left on the Judas Rising Tour. Uh, we're playing, actually, uh, tonight and Joliet in the Forge at the Forge. Thursday, we're at the FUBAR in St. Louis. Friday, we're in Rocklahoma. Hope to see all of you Fozzie friends there. And if you're going uh, to any of the shows over the next few days, you don't want to miss the start of our set because guess what? We open things up with our new single. 3.3 million views on YouTube as I record this. Of course, I'm talking about Judas. And here it is now on Talk with Jericho. On the inside, you are innocence personified, and I will drag you down and sell you out. Run away. I am cold like December snow. I have carved out this soul made of stone, and I will drag you down. Everyone I've ever loved, I push them all away And I am 
Judas, it's all gone haywire. It's gone viral. Uh, number one on the metal charts uh, for a couple weeks, and now uh, it's down at number two behind uh, behind those show-offs in Metallica. Uh, I'll take that anytime. If you ever would have told me when I was a kid that I'd have a song that's number two on the charts with Metallica at number one, I would have went, come on, man. And Plus Metallica at number three and four as well. So uh, lots of great stuff going on with Fozzie. Uh, come see us tonight in Joliet. Uh, Joliet, if you're uh, in Illinois or in St. Louis tomorrow, Tomorrow, Rocklahoma on Friday, River City Rock Fest on Saturday in San Antonio, and then on Sunday we finish off this leg of the uh, Judas Rising tour in Dallas at the BFD. So come check it out, and make sure you also check out the video once again on YouTube. We filmed it at the DDP Yoga Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia. So thanks to Diamond Dallas Page and his great crew, uh, Nathan Mowry was an amazing director uh, at the Performance Center. We had a great time with all the great employees, all the great people there and ended up with the uh, best video of our career it was the quickest video we've ever done and the cheapest video we've ever done so uh, one more big thank you to ddp for helping all of us in fozzy stay loose and limber on the judas rising tour we are high energy on stage if you've seen any of these shows jumping around rocking out and ddp yoga is helping us feel good uh not sore and he's helping us stay injury free uh, thank you so much to all the great people who've been coming out to the shows i think this week um the show we had in pittsburgh was amazing the show we had Asbury Park was just insane both were close to sold out Lancaster was good as well uh, but just great shows and as a result of uh, us keeping fit with our DDP yoga it gives us more energy it gives it gives us more power uh, and it can help us uh, it's helping us and it can help you as well because it's more than just a wheelchair program it's a truly healthier way to live and it's never been easier than right now do it right now to get on the DDP yoga program thanks to the new DDP yoga now app with this app App. You can do the workouts anytime, anywhere, right from your smartphone or tableta. The app's also loaded with nutrition tips, cooking tips, and tools to track your progress. And right now, DDP is giving you 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all DDPY-related match. All you got to do is go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. I've got the DDP Yoga Now app on my phone so I can do it on the bus, backstage at the venue, even in my hotel room on days off. I just open up the app and get to work. So take advantage of the deal that DDP is offering. 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all related match at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. 20% off hats. 
t-shirts, yoga mats, heart monitors, so much more. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape that you could ever get into. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho now. Hey guys, this is Chael and Make sure you check out my podcast, You're Welcome. We talk about MMA. We talk about professional wrestling, politics, anything you need to know about today's top issues so that you can sound intelligent and you get them all from me your humble host america's favorite gangster make sure you check me out you're welcome with chael son and new episodes every wednesday thursday and friday at podcast one app apple podcast and of course podcast one.com so as soon as there was the first wave right there was the first surfer all they needed was like a um you know, something like a some piece of driftwood, block of ice or something like that. And then they were off. And they were hooked. Talk is Jericho. We're here in, in, in Shep Gordon's uh, palatial estate here in Maui. And uh, Shep's assistant was working on putting together some uh, activities for my family and stuff. And then Shep said, listen, Nancy's son is a wicked surfer. And I'm like, wow, he sent me this video of Matt Miola. He's sitting right here. You did, it was the Spindle 540. Yep. Which blew me away, and apparently it had never been done before. Yeah, that's a, that's a trick I made up, and uh, it's like a trick that totally evolved. It was one thing, and then it evolved into that, and it like took a few years to do, so to finally land it was like, for me, that was like the highlight of my whole career. Well, And, and you're a, a pro surfer. Yep. Which, now, because like I said earlier, like I... I love the concept of surfing. I love watching surfing because I've done a lot of watching of the videos now of, of stuff that you've done other guys. But how like uh, how does the concept of a pro surfer work? Are you doing this in contests where there's money at stake and that sort of thing? Well, there's there's all these different routes you can take. So I'd call myself a free surfer and I don't do any contests. And then there's this whole tour and this super competitive tour around the world where all these guys are competing against each other and I'm a huge fan of it but I just can't handle the pressure and I I did it when I was younger and it was really hard for me because I'd travel all this way and you know there's a set schedule and you're you're dealing with mother nature so you never know how the waves are going to be and they have to hold the contest when it's scheduled to happen. So sometimes you fly halfway across the world, and the waves are knee-high and terrible, and you lose first round, and it's like the worst feeling in the world. It's like, <laughs> So it, I just it never caught on for me, and I, it made more sense for me to use my money to travel when I knew, I knew there was going to be really good waves because there's a storm coming to that specific place, and I could go and score perfect waves and just mm. bring a filmer and, and make videos. So that's more the route. So that's I kind of the route that you've done. It. Yeah. Is that kind of like the outlaw way or a new way of doing things? I wouldn't say it's the new way. I'd say it's almost the old way of doing things because originally surfing was just something you did for fun and people went out and scored good waves. The dream was getting good waves and it was just a fun thing to do. And then I guess the whole competitive thing came along when they're trying to, I don't know, turn it into a sport Mm -hmm. and make it more of an organized sport. And for me, I think surfing is more of like a, a art form because everyone does it differently. And 
it's not like basketball where you know there's it's black and white and there's you know right whoever gets the most points. These are the wins. rules. This is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're riding a wave. Every single wave that comes in is different, and everyone rides it. They have their own style. So for me to call it a sport is almost weird because it's all based on opinion of who thinks what is better. Mm-hmm. So I could think something someone did was like totally awesome and someone else could see it and say, I didn't really like his style and how he rode that wave. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's like art. Like if you saw a picture on a wall, you could sure. love it and I could hate it. So for me, it's kind of weird that they've turned it into this big competitive thing. But I think it's a blessing because it put surfing on the map and I wouldn't even have a job if, <laughs> if you know, they didn't. Do it that so, way. Just go back to what you're saying. Like I've often said, for example, like if you're looking at an Olympic sport like figure skating, for example, or gymnastics, it's based on judges' scores. Yeah. Correct? Right. So much like I, I even said sometimes, like you could say like for, for pro wrestling, if you put two guys, like let's say two Canadians versus two Americans, and they mm-hmm. had or, – or the Canadians have one match and the Americans have a match, and then you score them – Wrestling could be an Olympic sport. Yeah. Surfing kind of seems the same. If you're saying like if you're if you're judging it on just how you feel about it, you technically could make surfing a summer Olympic sport if you're going on that on that uh, credentials. Yeah, and that's basically what the tour is. You know, they have a panel of judges and they all score the waves, and you know, a lot of times it's controversial who won because it's on opinion. Yeah, but the big thing with surfing that makes it different than anything else is you're, the wave is moving. You're dealing with right. Mother Nature. So you don't have the same platform. It's not like, okay, we're going snowboarding and we're going to hit the half pipe and everyone's dealing with the same exact ramp or skateboarding or or biking. It's You're dealing with moving waves and there's no wave that is identical. Mm-hmm. But Kelly Slater, who's known as he's like the top guy top guy just created this insane wave pool where it's basically every single wave is the same so i think that's gonna be a a huge thing for surfing and could get it into the olympics or something like that gotcha but that's what I'm thinking about. If you're talking about surfing, you mentioned like I always a good friend of mine, Randy Bly, he sings for Lamb of God, is a big surfer, mm-hmm. and we were talking about it the other, the other day, and, and he was saying, you oh, know, it's you know, can you snowboard? Have you ever gone skate skating? And I'm like, yeah, I play hockey. He goes, no, I'm talking about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine, but skateboarding has the half pipe. Snowboarding, I know I can see the mountain going completely down. It's yeah. not going to change. Surfing. Is a the waves are a living, breathing creature that changes constantly. Yeah. How do you how do you adapt to that if you're going for a you know for a, a run and suddenly there's a giant wave appears in front of you? It's like the it just takes years and years of getting to know the ocean. So, I mean, when I was a little kid, my dad had me on the nose of his board, and he'd take me out when I was two years old. And then, after years and years of being in the ocean. You get to know the currents and the reef or the way the sand is. And after seeing so many waves break, you can kind of tell what they're going to do and where they're going to really? break, how they're going to be. So it's like it takes a lifetime of just watching and being out there to... Of experience. Yeah, and you never master it. Mm-hmm. it it's always, you know, it'll kick your ass. But isn't that half the, the fun of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
you, you mentioned before uh, talking about how you know the waves are constantly moving and you constantly have uh, you know to, to, to make a decision on which way to go when you're talking about doing some of these tricks because the 540 is basically jumping up off the wave and spinning around you know one time two time three times whatever it may be yeah. I'm not good at math so not only are you worrying about the waves changing and moving but you got to stay on your board as well and you look like Spider-Man that that board is attached to you and we know that it's not mm-hmm. how do you learn how to do that it just takes years and uh, there's so many things that come into play so for surfing doing these uh, tricks like above the lip these airs that I like to do and the wave has to be right so you have to get the right wave where you can get enough speed and then it it creates like a ramp mm-hmm. you know not every wave's good for that that's why a lot of times you go to the beach and you watch surfing and no one's jumping up and doing these tricks they're just kind of riding the wave because you have to have the perfect conditions so for tr- trying a trick like that i could go out all day and maybe get one shot at it mm-hmm. if i'm lucky and the Waiting for the right, right moment. Exactly. So, And then all this other stuff comes into play. The wind has to be blowing the right direction because if it's blowing the wrong direction, it takes the board off your feet. So you almost use the wind as like a... like a, mm. You stick your board out into the wind and it pushes it into your feet. And if you were going the opposite way, it would take it. Wow, okay. So you have to get it... You go up and you launch, and then you have the wind blowing the board up into your feet, and then you grab it. So by the time you've turned around, the wind can't take it because you're holding it at that Mm. point. So it's like this, so much goes into it. It's kind of interesting, but but when you do it all the time, it just feels like riding a bike or something. Sure, but you obviously have, you you mentioned all these years of experience, but you obviously have a talent for that. You know, like Van Halen can play guitar and, you know, Dale or Earnhardt can drive a car, but you can surf. I mean, it's obviously something you mentioned you've done it your whole life. Mm-hmm. When did you start realizing that you could do it better than most? When I was really little, I was super into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. And um, my dad ended up buying this property by the beach that he was. Did you grow up in Maui? Yeah. Okay. So he was bought this property by the beach, and he's building these houses there. So he's working there. So every day after school, I'd go down to his job site, and I had a couple friends that lived in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we started surfing a bunch because the beach was right next door, and there was waves. And I slowly stopped skateboarding and started getting really into surfing. And a few of my friends at the time were already, like, really good surfers, winning all the little contests and stuff. And I never thought... I, w- I was that good. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting better pretty quick and started doing contests here and there. And I don't know. And then next thing I knew, I was like kind of up, keeping up with my friends. And my friends were already on their way to being pro surfers. It, it's really funny. Nowadays, it's like you go down to the beach, there's kids that are like six yeah. years old and the parents are already like planning their career. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like that for me. I just kind of was hanging out with my buddies and started getting better at it and just trying to keep up with them. And now it's like me and a handful of my friends that grew up together all are lucky enough to be pro surfers and we like travel the world together. And So how do you get onto the pro circuit? Because you said something earlier too that I wanted to ask you, but you said this, I wouldn't have a job. So how do you make your money from pro surfing? Sponsorships so, or? Yeah. So for me, uh, I have sponsorships and they 
just basically pay me to go out there and get as much content as possible, you know, filming and... Filming all these great tricks and... Yeah, and photos and articles and magazines with their stickers on the board and, you know, advertising their stuff on social media. And, uh, and yeah, so I rely on sponsors, whereas the other guys who do the contest, they have sponsors and then there's the prize money in the contest. Gotcha, okay. So there's... For them, there's a whole qualifying series like i think there is in golf or whatever probably most sports sure there's the qualifying series and then once you do really good on that you get onto the world tour Mm -hmm. and i think there's 33 guys and then there's 15 new guys each year so 15 fall off and gotcha 15 more requalify okay so where do you go around the world to, to to surf let's see some of my favorite spots are like indonesia there's this place in Indonesia called the Mentawais, and it's this little chain of islands that's just, it's known for really good surf. So you, you fly out there, and you get on a boat, and you are usually on the boat for about two weeks, and they just kind of drive from surf spot to surf spot, and you live on the boat, and you wake up in the morning, eat breakfast, jump out, surf all day, go to a new spot the next night, and it's, for me, that's like the ultimate trip. Mm-hmm. I love doing that, but... Um, where else? Uh, Fiji, Mexico, all kinds of places. Um, Portugal, Europe, France. So are you going there, you mentioned, with a group of your friends? Or you go by yourself? or It depends. Sometimes the trips are uh, the sponsors organize it, and you go with like whoever is on that team. And then other times, me and my buddies will be like, hey, let's, let's plan a trip. We think the waves are going to be good here. You know, let's go. We'll bring a filmer and we'll make a, a little video or something. And that's what you're wanting to do is 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 film these tricks and film these awesome moments. Yeah. T- which then you'll basically, for lack of a better term, sell to websites or magazines or. Yeah, we basically um, just put them out on all the surf mm-hmm. websites, and they all pick them up, and they get their views, and the sponsors are happy, and that comes back to you. And the magazines and all. The- all of them are happy because they have the content to use. So, so when you're going to these other countries as like you know as the foreign guy, like, is there ever like uh, danger or like do you ever get kind of looked upon? Or are they happy to see you? The surfers are here. Or is it kind of like who are these assholes coming and stealing our waves? It's always different. Mm-hmm. Um, some places the locals are like the nicest people in the world and are so welcoming, but you do get in. You'll get in little run-ins with other surfers because surfing's like a, a funny thing where people are really protective of their spots. Right. So you have the locals and they're like, oh, these pro guys are showing up and they have cameras and we don't, we don't want our spot, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful. So when we do these trips, we make sure we try not to blow out people's spots. And if they don't want that place filmed, you don't film there and... You just got to learn to be really respectful to the to the other to local the locals, surfers right? yeah. because, you know, it's pretty annoying. You have your, your spot and it's where, you you know, most people, they go surf after work and that's their time to get away and, you know, do their thing. And <laughs> if you go and invade on that, that's, you yeah. know. Here come the hot shots. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be careful and, you know, I've learned to do that and most of my friends are really respectful, but there are the guys who... They, it just doesn't register, and they're mm-hmm. out, they come out and they're complete assholes, and they don't share the waves, and it's so. So how do you share a wave, for example? Well, you just you know your spot in the lineup. So when I paddle out, I kind of look around, 
if I'm in another country and I, it pretty quickly, you'll see who the, the main guys who probably surf that spot every day are. How do you tell? They know the wave and they'll probably be speaking that language and they'll be sitting the furthest out in the right spot mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll know where to be. And you just kind of, you let them get their waves and you ease your way in. And if you're cool, they usually end up giving you waves like, go for it, you know? So you just gotta, it's like ease your way so in. Some etiquette there then. Yeah, there's a lot of etiquette because if a guy was to catch a wave and then I caught the same wave and rode in front of him, the guy'd probably want to fight me after. You know, it's like... Have you ever had that? Um, Yeah. Really? I have. And, I mean, I've been in, on the other side of it because every wave... So every wave's different, and the best wave of the day could have come in, and it would be this insane ride, and then someone just drops right in front of you and ruins it for you. So it's like cutting somebody off when you're driving down the street yeah, in a car. Exactly. So, so you cut somebody off, and the guy wanted to fight you after? Mm, I haven't done that in a long time, but I've been cut off a lot. Yeah. And I usually don't try to... I'm pretty mellow. Yeah. But I, you know, inside I'm just screaming like, ah, what is this guy just, doing? It's, it's bad etiquette. Yeah. Right? So it takes that, time. But that's the surfer way. It's like a, most surfers seem to be pretty chill, laid back guys. Yep. And that is that because even the guys I know that love to surf mm-hmm. are chill, laid back guys. Yeah. I guess it's a, just a really chill lifestyle being in the oceans relaxing and it's it makes you feel good so it's hard to be pissed off when you're out in mother nature and everything's beautiful and it's you're getting mm-hmm. these waves so maybe it just uh once you get on land you're just like ah yeah, you know so but when i don't get to surf and i haven't been out in a while like i definitely get pissed off and right my, my girlfriend she's like you need to go surfing or you need to go <laughs> get out of the do your stuff because you're getting you're getting all angry. <laughs> but it's kind of like a like a exclusive club. Like I know, for example, I don't know how much into rock and roll you are, but maybe 10 years ago, Metallica's bass player quit. So they were looking for a new bass player. Mm-hmm. And their guitar player, Kirk, is a big surfer yep. who went surfing with Rob Trujillo. Who's, yep. And that's how they be, kind of became friends. It's like, dude, we got this guy. He's a bass player. He's a surfer. But it seems like you connect with other guys if they're surfers as well. You know, like yeah. s- a secret club. Yeah, for sure. It's like you share the same passion. Yeah. So you immediately get along. And get along better, right? I mean, there, I feel like there's no better feeling in the world than scoring like perfect waves with just you and your buddy. Mm-hmm. And you come in and it's just like the best feeling in the world. So, But yeah. it's luck though, right? Like, like you mentioned before, like, okay, we're organizing a trip with our friends because we think that the waves are going to be good. Like, how mm-hmm. do you know? So a long time ago... You couldn't uh, forecast the weather as far in advance. But now they have all this really good forecasting. Mm. So you can go online and be like, okay, there's there's a big storm happening up in the Pacific right now. And it's going to be hitting, you know, Hawaii in a week. And you just kind of watch the storm and see what it does. And you watch all the patterns. Watch and, the patterns of it. Yeah. So now with all this technology, you can pretty much like follow these storms and if you know how to follow them right you can score perfect waves you'll know like tomorrow at 2 30 on the north shore there's going to be some big waves yeah it's and you adjust your schedule accordingly exactly right yeah hey holly hi holly to you too he's so holly he doesn't even know he's holly beat it holly buddy this is our wave Oh yeah? Well, I don't see your name on it. 
Talk is Jericho. So what's the secret of, of surfing? Let's say you're talking to a complete novice like me. Because uh, here's, here's the first thing to, to me that's the hardest. Swimming out there in the first place. It's hard. You swim yeah. out there and then the wave pushes you back. And then like, because you got to be strong. Like by the time I, sw- I, I, I swam, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet out there, I'm tired already. Yeah, it's a, it's a trippy thing because you get guys that are in like, insane shape but once they're in the water and dealing with the waves and stuff they're just winded like i'm one of immediately. them immediately my shoulders were killing me my, my chest was chafed yeah from the board like, you know i feel like a little uh, bitch you know <laughs> it's funny it just takes years of experience and knowing the ocean so if we were both looking out at the ocean and there's these waves coming in someone who didn't didn't know they would probably just go okay i'm gonna go straight out to those waves mm-hmm. But I could look out or anyone who's been surfing for a long time and I'd be able to see exactly what the currents are doing and I could go out at a certain spot where it's almost like a conveyor belt and I could probably paddle out and not have to go through any waves mm-hmm. and I'd get to the the peak just because I've been in the ocean and I know how it works. So it's just learning things like that. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, this is where the wave breaks most of the time and all the water rushing in, it has to go back out somewhere. So there's always a current going out. So you find that and you, that's where you so paddle out. So it's helping out. pull you out as you're paddling. Yeah, and then you won't have to deal with the waves breaking on you. So the deeper parts of the, the water are where the waves don't break. So you obviously want to paddle out in those areas. And then where they do break, it's shallower. So you just look for that kind of stuff. I was like, you know, if you go, like, for example, snowboarding, you get on the chairlift or they have, like, a... They have like it's like it's a magic carpet. You just stand on it. And you hold on to this little yep. this little lever. I was like, they should build those in the ocean, like made of like really like styrofoamy like like movable materials, yeah. and then you just hold on to it, and then it would just take you out into the middle of the ocean. Oh yeah, yeah. There's certain there's certain <laughs> waves that the currents are so bad, and there's really like no good spot to get out. I know of some waves where you you would ride them. And then it's easier to come in and walk back up the beach and paddle back out. Oh, I see. So there's been so many times I was in the ocean and thinking the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wish they just had a little conveyor belt out here. Yeah, I could grab on little leather straps. And, like, it's, if you fall on it, it doesn't hurt. So yeah. they just pulled me out there, a little bit of a machinery. If I could make that patented, you know, we could put the Matt Miola conveyor on there. Yeah. We'll make millions, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I watched this movie years ago. It was called North Shore. Oh, yeah. And it was, oh, you seen it? Yeah. And it's like, it was like, I don't know if it was good or bad, but I remember it was really funny because it taught, there's a lot of like um, insider terms. Like they're mm-hmm. calling, maybe they're Hawaiian terms, but they're calling the one guy Howley. Yep. Does that mean like a, like a. That's like basically a white guy oh in Hawaii. God. Like hey, Howley. Kind of tourist guy. Yeah. So throw some, uh, throw some surfing slang at me. Surfing slang. Like obviously everyone knows hang 10. That's you got your 10 toes on the side of the board and you're like riding the pipeline or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like getting pitted or something. What does that mean, getting pitted? Like a barrel. So when the wave breaks over you uh-huh. and you're like in the little cylinder. That's what you want, right? Yeah, that's like the ultimate. So that's like getting barreled or getting pitted and getting spit out. That's when you're in the barrel and the air that gets trapped in there has to shoot out. Oh. So when you watch certain waves, it like – It'll be barreling, and then all of a sudden, it, this mist just shoots out of the, the tunnel. And when you're in the barrel and that hits you, it's like this big gust of wind, like, whoa. Oh, wow. And that's, that's called getting spit out. Um, so that's a good thing. You want to get spit oh, out? Oh, yeah. It, it's crazy. When, when you get spit out of a big barrel and it's a real powerful spit, your lips and your face will be, like, tingling. 
Really? Yeah, because it's just like, imagine, like just getting sprayed by like a really strong mist in the mm-hmm. face, and it's just like, like salty too, right? For like yeah, a few minutes after you could have like tingly lips. It's like <laughs> it's, it's trippy feeling. Have you have you ever like? Is there like some uh, obviously probably some real dangerous moments? Is there some dangerous places to surf that you're just asking for trouble if you go there? Yeah, um, there's all kinds of dangerous waves. Obviously, the bigger the wave, the more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then there's some big spots that break on real shallow reef that can be really dangerous. Um, and then on Maui here, we probably have the most famous big wave spot in the world. It's called Jaws, and that's a super dangerous wave. Well, and now how high are these waves? Man, I think the record got set this last winter for the biggest wave ever paddled into. They used to tow into this wave, so they'd use jet skis and pull you in, towing in to catch it because they used to think it was too big and too fast to catch with your own two arms. Mm -hmm. And over the past uh, maybe like mm, seven years or so, they really started paddling it, and now no one tows in anymore. And so they, I think the world record was set at 60-something feet. 60 some let's say a 65 foot it might, wave it might have been 70 oh Six, somewhere around there i gotta look it up but um it was the biggest wave ever paddled into how in the hell do you a 65 foot 70 foot wave i mean just think about that if you're six foot tall yep it would be like times 10 yep you know and and and, and you've had you had the, a horrible experience at jaws yes like you almost died right mm-hmm. like please explain first of all the mindset to go to jaws like you know you're taking your life in your hands. This is not just a nice, easy surf. Yeah, it's a really scary spot. Um, so it's uh, it's right down the road from my house. So I feel like eventually I was going to have to surf this spot. You know, growing up here and mm-hmm. being a pro surfer, it's like, well, here's Jaws. Like this is the holy grail of big wave surfing. It and it's in my backyard and I'd be pretty much a wimp if I didn't go for it. So <laughs> had you done some big waves in the past? Yeah, so I've you know, you work your way up, but you know, maybe when I was like 16 or 17 we started toe surfing out there for the first time and me and like a bunch of my buddies, we got jet skis and we were towing each other in and and for years I surfed the spot and I had had wipeouts and really gnarly scary experiences but nothing that i felt like i was gonna die Mm -hmm. and i think about four years ago um i was paddling in so you said i'm finally gonna go yeah so we started yeah we finally started paddling and then this is i think the second year we were paddling in just quick when you say that the the jet ski is towing you towing you like along with the wave so you can stand up with it or into the wave um, so you're towing along with it, and then right before it breaks, the jet ski turns, and you let go of the tow rope. Okay, so almost like body surfing, so you're going to catch it as it goes. Yeah, so like kind of like wakeboarding, as if the wakeboard boat drove right on the top of the wave, and right when the wave was about to break, the wakeboard boat turns, and the wakeboarder would let go and of the rope go. and start riding it. Gotcha. So that was what all they did at Jaws up until about you know seven years ago or something, and then everyone started paddling in on these big long they call it a gun these big surfboards so that's the secret of you the bigger the wave you need a big surfboard to, to do yeah that. because okay. you need to you need that paddle power to be able to get into it how long are they 10 feet okay mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I uh, went out one morning, and it was um, it was pretty. It's always big out there. If it's breaking, it's big, and it looked pretty big. And then we finally got down to the. You have to hike down this cliff to get out there. And I got down to the bottom of the cliff, and this huge set came in. And then me and my buddy were paddling out, and we're like, "Whoa, it's really big, and it's getting bigger." And set is a group of waves. Yeah, gotcha. Center, yep. More surfer talk. I'm yeah, learning. <laughs> the Howley is learning. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we went out there, and um, so you knew there was some big ones coming from the set that you had just seen. Yeah, right. it was like before we went out, we're like, "All right, it's pretty big," and then but when by the time we got to the shoreline down the cliff we were like whoa it's really big so um we paddled out and it was really crowded because everyone knew it was going to be good and everyone's starting to come over and you know they want a piece of it so we're out there and i wasn't out there to like you know i'm never out there to just be like a standout guy I just kind of go out there for my own personal reasons to you know catch a wave and be like okay mm-hmm. i did it but when so, you come out, do the, do the guys know you? Or there's Miola. Here he comes. Um, yeah, we all kind of know each other because surfing's such a small community, and all the pro surfers basically know each other. Especially if you're at Jaws at that time of day, yeah. everyone out there's got to be an expert. Yeah, right, exactly. So we were out there. I got two waves, and I was happy, and I was almost thinking about going in. And then all of a sudden, this huge set of waves is coming in and you look out at the horizon it's just this big bump you know this big blue wall coming and everyone starts paddling out because they don't want it to you know don't want to get caught by it and we're out there and everyone paddled over it and no one went for it and i was sitting there going holy shit this thing's coming straight to me like what do i do and i was like okay i gotta go and i just kind of turned around and i went and when you're in the moment you don't really realize how big it is I was like, I knew it was a big wave, but I didn't realize how big. And I went, and I just, you know, just fast as you can go on a surfboard, was just skipping down to the bottom, and I got to the bottom, and the thing just ate me. And I Meaning this is when – because I've seen this video, and I'll post it when we, when, we, mm-hmm. when we get this up. It's unbelievable how big this f***ing wave is, and you're like this little ant guy right in the middle of it. Yeah. So when you get to the bottom, you're talking about that's when it ate you? Yeah, so I got to the bottom – And normally I would start to try to do a bottom turn and, and, you know, ride out the rest of the wave. But I was going so fast that I couldn't control my board yet. I couldn't really, like, you have to set the edge in to start to turn. And it was just going too fast and I couldn't do it yet, the way the wave was. And I looked up and I knew I had to turn and I was trying to, but I couldn't. And it just came down on top of me and just mowed me down. And... I was under for a little bit, and then we all... What are you thinking when you're under? Like, how like how deep down are you? I'm not really sure how deep you are. You're just in this turbulence. It's like, it's just like getting shaken as hard as you could possibly be shaken, and you have n- no control of what your body's doing. And Like being like in a, in a giant clothes dryer. It's like you're in a dryer. Yeah. Tumbling around and around and around, right? Yeah, and then... And you can't breathe, and it's just like, whoa, and it's just, you know, pulling you every which way. And the number one thing I always tell myself when I fall out there is just like, okay, just relax. Because the, the you start to panic, or you start to try to, to battle it, and you just start burning oxygen. Mm. So you just have to relax and try to ride it out. That's all you can do. And now, 
everyone we wear um their inflatable suits hmm. because so many people have died surfing big waves in the past that um this guy Shane Dorian came up with these this concept of these inflatable suits hmm. and since those suits I don't think anyone has died wow. surfing big waves yet so so what do you do so they're these CO2 cartridges that you know you have a couple that screw into the little vest you wear under your wetsuit and you have a little pull cord mm. it's kind of like the stuff you wear on a um they give you on an airplane but much more high tech and durable like when they tell you if you know if there's a crash you pull the little thing on the yeah. on the little like the tommy just, boy where it gets stuck on his yeah and it yeah. goes right and right. inflates so it's like that except they're really durable and you know meant to hmm interesting so you know, I was under for a while, then I decided to pull my suit because I was like, I got to get to the surface. And I pulled it, and it just still kept rolling me and rolling me. And then um, my leash, the, the thing that connects to my foot and connects me to the board, it's like a 10-foot, a basically like, mm-hmm. a, like a bungee or rope, that wrapped around my feet mm. while I was getting tumbled, and it wrapped really tight and kind of like hogtied my feet together. Wow. And that was just like... When that happened, I was like, oh, no, now I can't really swim. But at least I got my thing inflated, so I'll eventually come up. And I was down for, I think, close to 20 seconds. And then I finally popped up. Mm -hmm. And 20 seconds feels like an eternity when you're, you know, burning that much energy and getting pounded like that, you know. And you don't know where you are either as far as in relation to the surface. Yeah. So I was down for ever, 20 seconds, felt like 10 minutes, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, when's it going to stop? And you start to, you know, you start to get ready because I thought that the next wave was going to break and come over me before I got a chance to come up and get air. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to prepare myself for that. And all of a sudden I popped up and I got one quick breath and the next one was a, even bigger right on me. And it and your just, eyes are closed, I imagine, too, because you can't even really the see. The eyes were closed. You're in the foam, and I, I, the, it was the craziest moment of my whole life. I finally popped up. I went, and I opened my eyes, and the thing was like 10 feet away. And it was just when your head's the only thing in the water, and you're looking up at something that's six, you know, <sighs> Another 60 feet giant tall, wave. It's 60 feet tall, and all this energy coming down on you right there. It's like I remember looking up and going, this is the worst spot I could ever be right now. <laughs> right. And then, plus I only had about one, I had one breath. I went, came up, I went, <gasps> held my breath again, and then just boom, that one hit. And then it's just the same thing again. All over again. All over, under, forever. And that one held me down even longer. I think it was like 24 seconds. Are you worried about your surfboard too coming mm-hmm. around and hitting you in the head? Because that could knock you out and you're done. Yeah, to me that's... That'd be the scariest thing. That's how thing. someone's going to die is the right. surfboard's going to whack them in the head. They're going to be unconscious and that's it. Right. So that's definitely a huge worry. I try to put my hands over my head, mm-hmm. but um, when you're getting shaken like that, sure. it's hard to keep your arms in one place. You're just basically in full survival mode, just like, ah. And so you were down for another 24 seconds? Yeah. And it's funny because I could hold my breath for 20 seconds easy right now. But when you're, when you're in that situation, right. it's a long time to be under. And mm-hmm. um, so I started getting those involuntary uh, 
compressions or whatever it's called where you hold your breath so long and you're so exhausted that you start going like <laughs> and i know from spear fishing and free diving that when you start doing that you know it, it's not good like you need to get to the surface pretty soon and i started getting those and i was like all right you know any second now i could black out and i got to the point where i was like all right i'm there's a good chance I'm going to black out. I hope my jet ski driver can find me. Mm-hmm. And um, I popped up and I was all right. And then I had about probably 10 seconds and another smaller wave hit me. And then my jet ski guy who was doing safety for me came and picked me up. And he brought me in into the safe zone. And I just like kind of burst into tears and just was super shaken up. And like I knew I was just like that close to it being all over. Mm-hmm. So that was like a eye-opening thing for me, and I, I'm definitely a lot more cautious now, and I take it a lot more serious, and I, I don't go out to Jaws every time it's breaking. I only go out when I really feel like I want a piece of it or I feel confident that day. And I think it's a good thing that happened to me because I'm way more cautious now, whereas mm-hmm. before I was like, Jaws is breaking, I'm out there. When you're younger, and it's happened to me in wrestling, is that you think you're invincible. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I had a serious injury, which was breaking my arm. Still got the scar to this day. After that, I thought twice. Before mm-hmm. that, so I'll jump off the top rope and do a triple flip, or I'll do this, or I'll do this. And all it takes is one time to realize I'm just a man. Yeah. I can break in two or die. Yeah, exactly. Like you said. And that that was that moment for me. And wow. uh, Yeah, before that, I did kind of think like, I knew it was dangerous, but I'd gone out and been fine so many times and, you know, just laughed it off. Mm -hmm. And that was the time it just like, it was like, whoa, this really is serious. You know, you could have, you could have just died. And was your jet ski driver thinking that or was he looking for you or he picked me up and he's a good buddy of mine. His name's Jason. And I thank him so much for picking me up and getting me out of there. But um, he knew I was shaken up. Like, he had never seen me like that before. And I had never been like that before. Like, it was just kind of a uncontrollable, like, so much adrenaline going through your body. And I was just, like, you know, I was shaking like this. And I was just, you know, tears coming out of my face. And and then he brought me my board. Had, oh, the, the leash had broken. So my board went in on the rock. So I had to go in and get it and hike up the cliff to my truck. So he dropped me off by the shoreline and it wasn't over. I ended up getting stuck in a current trying to swim in. And after being so exhausted, then I got stuck in this current and I was swimming for like 10 minutes trying to get in on the rocks. And then I got washed up by this wave on these big boulders. It's like really hectic getting in and out of the water there. Cause you have this, uh, this shore break that's like, you know, ceiling high right here, mm-hmm. washing in on these giant boulders. Feet high or whatever. Yeah. So I got washed in and I basically like bear hugged the rocks and I just, again, just burst into tears and you can't catch a break. (laughs) Yeah. I walked up the cliff and I just kind of tried to stay to myself and I was Mm. just like really shaken up. Hmm. Do you know anybody that that passed away while surfing? Luckily, I don't Mm. have any one that I was close to Mm. that passed away. I have friends that have had even closer near deaths situations than that who actually did black out and have to get cpr wow this guy greg long it happened to him at a place called cortez bank that's 
way out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean outside California. Mm. And they picked up his unconscious body and dragged him on the jet ski. And a, a buddy of mine actually was the one who grabbed him and, and saved him. They brought him on the boat and got him hooked up to oxygen and brought him back to life. Mm. So that was pretty heavy. And then just uh, about a month ago, the guy who set the world record last year at, at Jaws for the biggest wave ever paddled was in Fiji for a swell. And he went down in the same sort of situation. He was under for a long time and ended up blacking out before he got to the surface. And uh, a few guys on the boat said, well, that guy fell and we haven't seen him pop up yet. And a jet ski driver went in and saw his board floating and attached to his leech was Mm. this unconscious body. So they grabbed him, threw him on the jet ski, got him on the boat and started doing CPR on him. And they brought him back. Yeah, so that's pretty heavy. Like you said, Mother Nature. You're tempting Mother Nature when you get out there. Yeah, she's in control. Yeah. A winter storm comes out of Antarctica, tearing up the Pacific, and it sends a huge swell north 2,000 miles. And when it hits Bells Beach, it'll turn into the biggest surf this planet has ever seen, and I will be there. So will I. How about, like you mentioned... um you know coral reefs and stuff like that have you been out there because I, I i would think a coral reef or even like you hear sometimes the there's a movie right now with the shallows with the with the sharks have you mm-hmm. ever seen sharks or any type of sea creatures like that yeah i've seen sharks i don't see them a lot but um they're out there if you go if you surf enough eventually you'll see them um that must freak you out yeah for sure um there's days where it's real like you know it's sharky out you can just it's just you got it's the vibe you know it's usually those dark days maybe it's been raining a lot the day before and all the rivers are flowing and the water's really dirty and it just it looks like it's sharky (laughs) and those days you surf and you go out because the waves still look fun and the whole time you're thinking about it but um i've never had any while surfing i've never had any really close encounters with sharks but um there's been places i've traveled like western australia that's known for having big great white sharks that there's been a lot of recent attacks over there Mm -hmm. and when you're surfing over there it's really it's just on your mind the whole time i for me i just can't get it out of my head and the whole time i'm waiting for waves to come i like i'm looking down and looking everywhere and it's just really uncomforting it's like if you've seen any shark movie because i'm the same like if you ever get in your head yeah i'm always seeing it from the shark's point of view where he's looking up and you see the surfer or the swimmer and the legs are kind of swimming and i start freaking i'm like ah get me out of here yeah (laughs) that's how it is that you i'll sometimes just stand on my board the whole time because i don't want my legs dangling or right yeah because you hear about that especially in australia Uh, we were there a couple years ago and and in perth i believe someone was basically surfing and either lost a leg or the guy might have even been dragged down by the shark i can't remember so that you said that happens yeah it does happen and you know what's funny is they make all these statistics about shark attacks like oh you're more likely to get struck by lightning or you know, you're more likely to get in a car crash or this and that. And they have all these crazy statistics. But that's involving everyone in the world. Mm-hmm. For a guy like me who's in the water every day, sometimes six hours a day, 
the chances go way up. Right. You know, so I people say that and I'm like, no, but not for your yeah. everyday surfer. It's a di- It'd be like you have a better chance of being struck by lightning. Well, my job is standing in the rain with an iron stick holding it up in the air. Yeah. I got a better chance of getting hit by lightning than, than you. Yeah. So when I hear people say that, I'm like, well, for you, because you go in the water maybe once a month or once a week in the ocean <laughs> yeah. and you swim and you're and you're talking about all the people in the world, mm-hmm. people who live where there isn't an ocean. Right. So yeah, if you take all the people in the world and you you know yeah you're in the top uh, top percentile of it of the yeah, chances of it happening exactly. I, I know we, we mentioned earlier about the spindle 540, but uh, there's some other tricks that you have. Mm-hmm. Like you've invented a few tricks that no one else has done. Yeah, so the the spindle 540 is the what I like to call the the best one I've ever done. Mm-hmm. That's the it, crown jewel. Yeah, and I've only done one of them. Wow, but you got it on camera. I got it on camera, yeah. So that counts. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. I, how, how did before we get into how did the rest of the surfer world like? For example, you mentioned Kelly Slater. Like that's a pretty mainstream name. Mm-hmm. So when he sees that, is he going holy shit? Is he going ah, I can do that or what? Do-? No, um, me and Kelly are pretty good buddies. Uh-huh. And for a few years, like the next step in progressive surfing was like, who's going to do a five forty? Everyone's done 360s, but it was like the 540, who's going to do it? And there was a bunch of us who all were trying it and wanting to do it, but hadn't done it yet. And then out of nowhere, Kelly one day does a 540. And I texted him. I was like, oh, you f***. <laughs> and, I, and it was really funny. He, um, he was in Portugal when he did it. And so I looked at like the world clock and I was like, technically, here in Hawaii, we're behind. So if I do it today... <laughs> That means I did it before you. <laughs> Just joking around, right. you know. And he's like, okay, if you do it today, you can name it. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't do it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But so Kelly, you know. Did you like, go out and try? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're out there. I did. And the waves are so bad. And there's like no yeah, way I, got, I was I ever going to do it. I got to 470. That's about it. I <laughs> went and tried. But um, so here comes Kelly out of nowhere and – He's just such a freak, and he can do anything he puts his mind to. And he's probably he's the oldest out of all of us. And like in surfing, there's like you know air guys, and then contest guys, and then guys that are good at power turns. Sure, right. So Kelly can do it all, but he's not your typical air guy. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was probably expecting someone who's like you know, that that's their main thing is heirs was going to be the guy to do it. Then out of nowhere comes Kelly, who's what, 43 years old or 44 mm-hmm. and just comes and smokes us all and does it. <laughs> so after that, it was like, okay, what can you do to, I don't want to say better that because that was so insane. Basically. But what can I do? Yeah. You know, what's the next step for what's me? What's more impressive than that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was trying this, you know, the spindle flip 540, which is the spindle flip is a move I made up years prior and it's uh basically like a rollo type of thing it's like a 360 rollo mm-hmm. and then the spindle kind of flip from bmx rollos yeah like skating at. yeah like a barrel roll from canada we used to call them rollos can you do a rollo yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the next step was like okay if i could do this with 540 degrees of you know spin that would be like a pretty cool move so I'd, I'd tried it a few times, but never really thought it was quite possible. And then one day I was out there and I was surfing and 
you know, you make the decisions last second, you know, every wave it's like, I want to try that move, but you can only do what the wave allows. Mm -hmm. And so it's always a last second decision. Like you're, you know, you're coming up and it's like, Oh, 360 or, Oh, this move. So it was like, Oh, I initially was thinking, Oh, backflip. And right before I launched the wave did something a little different than I would want for a backflip. And it turned into that spindle 540 move where i was like oh so i ended up doing that rotation and i did it and i landed it and i just freaked out like immediately my arms went in the air and then the wave kind of knocked me off because <laughs> I, I think i was just in so much shock that i didn't even try to couldn't keep, believe it yeah. does it count even, though if you land it well there'd probably be some people out there who would say oh he didn't totally ride out of it okay but i was in total control of my board but i was in zero control of my emotions and i just kind of like threw my arms in the air and just went oh like oh my, oh my yeah. god i did it and the wave like knocked me off and i started screaming and i went to the beach and the first thing i'm doing is looking at my filmer like did you get that shit yeah <laughs> you know and he got it and i'm just screaming i ran on the beach and i was like jumping up and down and it's like for me that was probably my greatest moment in surfing that's cool so uh so I did that, and then I, I texted it to Kelly, like, check this out. <laughs> He's like the watermark for the approval, right? Yeah, exactly. The wise old Jedi. Yeah. What did he say? He said, would have been cool if you landed it. <laughs> just because he knew that it, it was almost kind of questionable. Yeah. But um, he was just joking around, and I had also texted John John Florence, who is, you know, the other great in surfing. He's like what someone called the next Kelly Slater. Mm -hmm. And he's a really good friend of mine. So I texted both of them on a group text. And then John John chimed in and he goes, well, I think that was better than Kelly's. <laughs> and, then Kel and then Kelly goes, well, I think somebody's left out here because John John hasn't done a 540 yet. <laughs> so yeah. it's just this funny little, little text. Busting each other's balls. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, since I'm not doing contests, it, it allows me to be a little more creative with how I ride waves. So I don't have to go out there and get a score and mm -hmm. you know w win a contest. I just go out and I think, oh, what what's something new and cool I can try? And uh, so that's what I work on and get it. Is on there film. something that you have in mind that you want to try that's never been done before? There's so many things. Sometimes I sit in bed and I just kind of imagine tricks i could do i can see that yeah you'd be thinking i wonder if this happens I yeah i wonder if this is possible yeah. but like i said with surfing it's just so hard to just go out and try it because the conditions have to be mm -hmm. right for that move and you just it's rare that you get the opportunities so yeah there's stuff i'd like to do but it's just like when am i going to get that opportunity and will i get it enough to eventually land it yeah it's like will you get the perfect wave yeah the classic perfect wave right yeah what kind of music do surfers listen to? Is it is, is they everyone have a similar vibe or No, everyone's different. Yeah. Um I listen to a huge spectrum of music. Mm -hmm. I like I love the Rolling Stones and then I like old country music. Mm -hmm. Um I like metal. It just kind of depends on what mood I'm in. You ever but, listen to the old surfer music? <laughs> a little bit, but Dick not Dale, Wipeout and all that shit. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. It's almost kind of like a joke, you know. Sure, yeah, it's cliched, but yeah. Yeah. That's but um, it's not something I would listen to. But mm -hmm. if we put it on and started grooving, we'd all probably be cracking up. And <laughs> like when you just imagine yourself, like was the one from Pulp Fiction? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Ms. or> Lou. <laughs> yeah. But um, lately, I've been 
really into uh, country music. This guy, Chris Stapleton. Mm. I don't know if you've heard He just of him. opened for Guns N' Roses. Yeah, he's super, I think he's super badass. And mm. uh, I, I'm i not into the, the new pop country sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Luke Bryan, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah um, Doesn't Willie Nelson live out in Maui? Yeah, so Willie's. You ever ran into him? Yeah, his son, his son Lucas, and his son Micah are two of my like really dear friends. Aren't and they playing with Neil Young? Yeah, so ah, right. they're playing with Neil, and um, they're on tour right now. They're all over the place, and they're just insanely talented musicians. So I went, I did a homeschool group with them for my last two years of high school. So we got became really close, and. Um, they they also have their own bands. Uh, mm-hmm. One is Insects vs. Robots. That's Micah's band. And then Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real is Lucas's other mm-hmm. band. But right now they're pretty occupied with Neil's gig. I listen to a lot of their music. I've used it in a lot of my little surf videos and stuff. You ever run into Willie? Um, yeah. On the beach? We, um, <laughs> at the house you'll yeah. see him. But he's a... Uh, he keeps to himself, and I think when he's here on Maui, he just likes to do his mm-hmm. thing. And you know, I, I know he plays poker with a lot of good buddies. And but yeah, I see him every once in a while. Maui's kind of, like, especially being involved with Shep Gore, and Maui's kind of like one of the cool places to be. A lot of dudes are hanging around here. A lot of yeah, a lot of um, pretty famous people mm-hmm. end up living here. And through my my mom and Shep and uh, and Willie's kids, and I I end up meeting a lot of these people and. It's it's pretty cool. Like any any given night, you can be at Shep's and you never know who's gonna walk in the right. door. And yeah, and sometimes it's pretty trippy, you know. Who's the cool, like the weirdest person you saw come in? Mm, the weirdest person, or like I saw. someone that was really cool. Shoot, you're pretty cool. I got to answer. Good answer. <laughs> uh, man, there's so many. Uh, man. I thought it. W- I didn't get to actually see the Dalai Lama, but he was here, and my mom got to um. I mean, that's unbelievable. Got right? to drive some of his people around, you know, his entourage or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what, what yeah. some of the other... What they would be called. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah. Anytime the Dalai Lama's hanging out at your house, someone's house that you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But you never know who it's going to be at Shep's and it's, he's just such a cool, loving yeah. guy. And it, I think it's just a comfortable place for celebrities to be because he makes them feel so at home mm-hmm. and it, it they don't get you know bombarded by people right and it's you right, know right. last question what's your uh, favorite place to surf favorite place to surf probably a few of the kind of secret spots around home mm. that maui is a funny place because it has really awesome waves but it's um so fickle and inconsistent that, that they get good hmm so uh, there's a few places at home that are kind of secret spots where I've had sessions with my buddies that it's like, yeah, those were yeah, probably yeah. some of the best times. But, um, man, there's a, this place in Western Australia, an area called Calberry that I love, and uh, the Mentawise, those boat trips. Mm-hmm. I've had some of the best times in my life there. So, What's the number one tip you'd give to somebody that's trying to learn how to surf? Persistence. Just don't. Don't let it get you down because it's really challenging and just the more you go and you don't let it, you know, piss you off, the more you go and just keep getting out there, the the more fun it will become. And once you get over that learning curve and you're able to catch waves on your own and and start going and learning to read the waves, that's when it really gets fun. 
and maybe for like a, a surfer who knows how to catch waves but isn't really good at it yet, don't ride a board that's too small. Hmm. A lot of people, they, they want to ride these small boards that are meant for these tricks. But if you try to ride those right away, you're, it's just going to be a total struggle. It's not going to float you comfortably and you're going to be, you know, going slow on the wave because you don't know how to ride it yet. So just start off with a bigger board and really just get to know how to read the wave. And then you can slowly work your way down to a smaller trick board. You heard it here first, and we're waiting to see the very first ever Spindle 720. Oh, yeah. Matt Mule. <laughs> thanks, dude. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, man. The Howley is out. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Matt Miola. He really is incredible. Go to YouTube and search him out, M-E-O-L-A. Check him out on Instagram as well, Matt Miola. M-A-T-T-M-E-O-L-A and check out all of his tricks that he performs on the waves. Hang 10, Kawabanga. if everybody in an ocean. That's Matt Miola, man. He's a great surfer and a great dude. I hope to see him again this summer. Want to go back to Maui, hopefully spend some more time at Shep Gordon's place. Uh, maybe Matt will be able to take me uh, deep sea spearfishing this time. I thought I said a big board would lose, Chandler. The nose is too thick. I don't ride waves going straight like some people I know. It's a fast gun. It's built for speed, not hot dogging. Chandler, you still have a single fin mentality. I need a big board with lots more rocker. Zuckerberg, Palmer Lucky, that Tom from MySpace guy. If you want to strike it rich in the tech world, you've got to be a nerd. So why are you still so popular? Don't let your good looks, perfect hair, rad Camaro, and ample charm hold you back from a wealthy future. You need to get bullied, and fast. Nougie to You is a bully rental service that wants to help you take yourself down a peg or two so you can be great in the future. Using our app, you can summon a bully for a Nougie, a Swirly, or a primetime pantsing in front of the whole school during the talent show. Need some extra incentive? Try one of our stepdad add-ons to get Ron, the guy who's slamming your mom, to really turn your screws. I'm so confident Noogie to You works, I'll give you a 30-year money-back guarantee. How can I be so confident? I'm not just the creator, I'm also a client. Shut up, mega turd! Want to know more about Noogie to You? Listen to the Team Tiger Awesome show every Sunday right here on the Jericho Network and Podcast One. Thanks to Team Tiger Awesome. Another great app idea that could only come from the twisted wackos at the TTA uh, studios. Noogie to You. So you can get a wedgie or a swirly whenever you need to be knocked down a peg or two. This is the stuff you get every week when you listen to the Team Tiger Awesome show. New episodes every Sunday. Check that out. So go to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the Team Tiger show, Awesome show so you don't miss out on any of the last and hey while you're at apple podcast leaving team tiger awesome a five-star rating and stellar review go ahead and do the same for all the shows on the jericho network rock talk with mitch lafon new episodes every monday this week's episode a new interview with john karabi who's talking about the dead daisies new live album the, the 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 money man behind the dead daisies what life was like for him right after being fired from motley crew what it was like when he was hired to replace vince neal and motley crew a dark time and he's very candid about it mitch also has trickster Steve Brown who explains his role as on-call guitar player for Def Leppard and talks about his new band Tokyo Motorfist. Steve is a great guy. Almost came and saw us in Asbury Park, New Jersey when we played there last week. Uh, but go check out Mission's show and check out 
all the shows on the Jericho Network on via Apple Podcasts. Leave the five-star rating reviews for Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. New episodes every Tuesday. Raven Effect, new episodes every Monday. The flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Conan on Thursdays. One of my favorite shows to listen to. Beyond the Darkness, talking all things paranormal five days a week, Monday through Friday. And if you haven't checked out the latest podcast from Beyond the Darkness, get to patreon.com and sign up. They're doing True Crime Tuesdays and they're doing it ad-free. That's right, no commercials. Just five bucks a month and you get a new episode every Tuesday. So sign up now at patreon.com. Start listening to True Crime Tuesdays and we're talking about Tuesday. Uh, We just played uh, a great show in Flint, Michigan tonight on Tuesday and this leg of the Judas Rising Tour, Fozzie's Tour is wrapping up. We're down to our final five shows. Having such a great time with King who's going to be on this podcast very shortly. Sons of Texas are also out with us. Come rock with us to the final five shows tonight. We're at the Forge in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, uh, Thursday, Fubar in St. Louis. Friday, Rocklahoma. Saturday, River City Rock Fest in San Antonio. And Sunday, finishing off at the BFD in Dallas, Texas. Then we're heading across the pond to download. I'm hosting the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards. We're doing Milton Keys. That's sold out. Uh, lots of great stuff. But also the, the, the words of Jericho. Listen in, man. Uh, June 7th in Belfast at Mandela Hall. All sold out. But good news. June 8th at Vicker Street in Dublin. There's still some tickets left. All the VIPs are sold out with some general admission, Ticketmaster.ie. And there's also Words of Jericho show in my hometown of Winnipeg with special guests Lance Storm and Cyrus, August 25th at the Club Regent Event Center. Tickets available at Ticketmaster. So go check that out. You're going to have a great time as I sit around and BS and tell some fun stories. And uh, don't forget about all the great fun Talk is Jericho sponsors. You find that podcast1.com. Click on the Killer Deals button at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Uh, thanks to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off the DDP Yoga app and all DDPY merch. Thanks to Saks Underwear at saxunderwear.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off your first auditor. And of course, True Car. Go check out that app. The quickest, uh, cheapest car buying experience you're going to find. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Matt Mueller for being here. And keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next on Friday. we got a special, uh, very fun idea that I had. Always uh, noticed a lot of similarities between Dean Ambrose and Jeff Hardy. Uh, They don't know each other. They've never met. So for the first time, Dean Ambrose and Jeff Hardy meet for the first time right here on Talk is Jericho this Friday. And it's, uh, it's quite hilarious, let me tell you that. So thank you so much. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And a big, yeah, boy, cowabunga, dude, surf's up. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast podcastone.com.